What is this great conversation you're about to hear? Hello everyone, this is W, host of the High Art on the Edge page. I'm an online event planner that supports artists' work from all over the world. They create the product, I help them plan and execute a memorable event for their fans, family members, and friends. What do Slow Dive, Ride, and The Cure all have in common? They hail from the great country of England. But did you know that there is a very talented artist by the name of Matt Catling, who comes from a modest-sized town called Ipswich? You may be familiar with his work as he goes by the moniker of Under the Sun. He's released some really mind-bending, beautiful-sounding EPs such as Robot World, Ocean Breeze, and Bloomer. In this conversation, we're going to explore some questions such as, how did he get involved with music? What is his approach to making music? What bands have influenced his work? What other artists has he worked with and in what fashion? What are some of the albums he would recommend to music listeners? So grab a cup, pour yourself a good drink, sit back and enjoy my conversation with the very talented Matt Catling. He really shines with tremendous creativity and a burning desire to keep exploring unique sounds. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Hello, everyone. This is W, host of the High Art on the Edge page. Sunday. We are in October, can you believe it? And we have another special event here going on here on the High Art page. Welcome, my name is W.A.K. William. Our special guest here is Matt Catling. You may know him from his work, Under the Sun, Noise Pop, Post Rock, Shoegaze, Dream Pop. Matt is extremely creative. Why is he so creative? That's why we're here to find out, to talk to Matt and learn more about what makes him such a special and unique artist. Let's bring him in. Hello, Matt. Can you hear me? How you doing, man? You right? How are you doing? Pretty cool. Thank you. Nice to have you here on the High Art on the Edge page. Could you, I'm tuning in actually from Santa Cruz, California. Where are you located? I'm in... um, in uh, sunny Suffolk, which is in the town called Ipswich, which is on the East Angler around in the UK. Tell us a little about about your town. Hmm. It's it's kind of a port town, you know, like a docks town, you know, like a waterfront town, if that makes any sense. You know, kind of almost like a little, can I say describe as Baltimore? Is that a bit step? <laughs> sure. Probably a step too far. Yeah. <laughs> Has a little bit of comparison, but I think it's... It is what it is, but it's a really nice waterfront town, you know, got a university nearby, so. Is this where you grew up? Yeah, that's where I grew up. Tell us a little bit about your family. Do you have brothers, sisters, mom, dad, what do they do? Um, I have two sisters. Um, they mostly basically got families now. Um, and now my mom's with my stepdad, um, which I don't call him a stepdad, I call him Mac. So that was pretty good. 
so I get along with him pretty fine. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, basically I'm an uncle as well, so just um, for me, I'm just enjoying what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah. Give us a little bit about um, a background to growing up as far as music being involved. Was that something that was important to your family? So maybe you took vacations in a car and music was always on, or maybe every yeah. Sunday music was on. Give us a little bit of the details on that. Well, when I was um, kind of um, pre-teen, so I, I guess music was all my life. I mean, even the top 40 back then, you know, when the whole, uh, this is probably going to go back to uh, mid-90s, mid to late 90s, when you look at the charts around the top 40 at that time, you got all the uh, Britpop stuff was kind of a starting point, in my view, was definitely kind of starting point between what I realized was indie at that time, but so there was a lot going on, you know. But even, like, I couldn't really remember when I was nine years old, so it took me a lot more, like, when I got a little bit older and mature, I looked back at it and what I missed and picked up from there, I guess. So I guess Britpop was kind of a little starting point. Britpop really took off in your country. Some, yeah. For some people, it became a, a, a burden, a bothersome, a nuisance. I actually... Um, loved it. I studied at the University of London Union, 1994, right when it all started to unfold. You had Pulp, you had Blur, of course, Oasis, and all that rivalry going on. Wow. Did you feel that experience? Did you really kind of immerse yourself into that world? I think so. I mean, there was a lot going on. I mean, it was pretty... But my friend... Uh, my friend Andy was more into the rockier side, the Brit rock stuff, like, you know, therapy and television and all that mm -hmm. stuff. I, I think that's when I sort of got a little bit older, I started to listen to more stuff like Oasis and, you know, a lot of the Black Rebel stuff. And that was definitely in some starting point. But I think some of the Britpop bands did have an impact, like the Ash, Ashes or the Feeders mm -hmm. at that time. Yes. They weren't really probably weren't really necessary Britpop in a Oasis versus Blurred thing. They were more somewhere between post-Britpop to the Britrock thing. And yeah, I guess that's where it took off for me personally. But where you're... Do you remember that feeling of picking up a guitar? Oh, yeah. I had a, used to play bass when I when I was 14. I used to feel like the strings were like... Because I used to always first start out being obsessed with bass guitars, but... I thought I was a yeah, four string, make it a bit more deep. Mm -hmm. but, but this is when I was 14. I played my first bass guitar. So it was pretty cool. Did you take lessons or did was it kind of more self-taught? Um, lessons first. Yeah. And first. so you played throughout that. Now, did you try to incorporate yourself uh, with other musicians or were you just kind of playing on your own? It's basically playing on my own, really. Um, did incorporate with others, but um, unfortunately, just didn't really seem to pan out. So, yeah. So, in that Britpop era, when did it start changing for you in that direction of, if you, if we have to start using terms like shoegaze, you know, dream pop, psychedelic, okay. psych rock. When did that started? Yeah. When did that change for you? Oh, that's kind of a tricky question. Uh, probably had the term, probably 
heard the term shoegaze when I was about maybe uh, 16 to 17, maybe. But when I first picked up, I guess when I first started to pick up more stuff from rides and all that, and spur drive that I got, now I think this was really exciting. And this is mm -hmm. before I started getting to my bloody Valentine, and I think. But when I was 18, I just picked up my the my bloody Valentine record for the first time. This is Loveless. Yeah. And that. I think eight, an 18 year old me, I felt, because that from that time period, um, I was really listening to all sorts at that time, and whether it's power pop like Weezer to. Um, all American rejects and <laughs> kind of pop punk stuff, but when I got into My Bloody Valentine for the first time, I felt that really changed a lot of my music listenership, really. And not Why? mention it was pretty. I felt kind of social outcast at that time. I didn't really fit it in. So when I listened to that album for the first time, I felt this actually. I mean, I, it took me a lot of kind of a couple of tries to listen to these albums, and I thought myself, when I got used to it, I felt. Yeah, this is actually fitting for me, you know. Yes. And then I'm, now, go, go on. Then I started to play. Then I started to really question my guitar playing at times. I only played bass, but I think uh, it's about 2021. I started to switch, and because I didn't really want to play bass no more, I wanted to play play a guitar and with a whammy bar. I want to make something like that, but. It take it does take a lot of years to make, and thank you to accessible pedals, <laughs> accessories, and available accessorizers and stuff on eBay. I think I got what I needed. With the sound of my bloody Valentine ride, and you mentioned kind of being a, an outcast. Yeah. Do you like? Maybe this is a little too much information, but I've never, for me, for most of my life, I've kind of been a social outcast, and I've been okay with that. Yeah. Were you okay with that experience while growing up? I think, probably not in the beginning, but when I started to um, listen to those bands and I started to feel, I actually feel like my genuine self that I'm actually really okay to be that social outcast. and. Don't get me wrong, I still had a few friends here and there, but I wasn't really so like hanging out. With with Ride and My Bloody Valentine and stuff like that, did friends get you into that? Or is that something you had picked up on your own? Um, I think it's a bit of both. Um I think one of the college tutors recommend me to listen like if I wanted to get in some real indie, it would be My Bloody Valentine Ride and all that. So recommend me to listen to My Bloody Valentine. And I did for the first time. I think it really changed the game of playing guitar for the first time and at, at that point I was starting to listen to bands like Sonic Youth as well so I wanted to, but you know the but I never knew about alternative tunings probably later on and experimental guitar tunings that Sonic Youth had done so I guess that's where that came from but I didn't even know notice that until probably in my late probably in my later life so so it's pretty fascinating do you remember the first song you ever recorded? Oh, recorded. Um, it was recorded for an MP3, an old MP3 player, actually. So I just remember uh -oh. doing these weird instrumentals. Um, mm -hmm. I used to do kind of a little noise project. This was going back 21, like 14 years now. It's like 
I wanted to do something just to get this music out, whether yeah. the recordings weren't that great or... Yeah, so um, it, didn't have anything at that time. I didn't really have a loop pedal one to make that. So I did just record it just for an MP3 player. It's like, yep, send it to you. I'm just going to do this on my own. Did you have any inspirations in your life that kind of opened the pathway for you? A music teacher, uh, an, an aunt, an uncle, anybody that kind of opened that door for you? I think my I think music the music teacher at my school um, and art and even I think in my college years I always think more inspiration with art and all that you know I think that sort of opened up the door for what I wanted to do like paintings and illustrations mm -hmm. as well as this the music of it during my spare time I'm not uh, studying and there's a phrase I'm sure you've heard it the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Yeah. Um, did did uh did you kind of take on this creative endeavor experience because someone in the family is very creative and artistic, or are you kind of the lone wolf there? Oh, I I guess it was a bit of both. Um, probably taking some inspiration for some drawings. A couple of years, uh, there was some drawings that my mom did a few a few like years ago with. You know, like all the animals we used to have, and I think that's where it came from there. I've always been kind of a enjoy painting and all that, you know, when I was a kid. So I guess where that came from was just something about it just creates. Yes. Creative myself. So here's a tough question for you: Do you prefer the process of creating or the actual final product? Oh, I think the process of creating comes first for me because yeah. I really have like I really like to listen to what I've done and if I didn't like the guitars and they went all flat I have to do it redo that again so until we get it right until I personally get the music right because I, I really don't like to just record one shot I, it's got to take a bit of time for me these days because I really want it to sound full mm -hmm. like a full-on electronic project um, with those elements, and I wanted to make sure that gets sound. That sounds where I'm going from, because I think a lot of people. There was a lot of people who, a lot of shoegaze fans out there might not. I don't know. Might like some of them do love what I do, but there's others that might not be like, oh yeah, now nah, it's too post rock and stuff like that. And I think that's it's a bit of a difficulty to explain to that to fans. But I like to be in the creative process of things this moment of time until I'm happy and satisfied what I want to do and then if I'm very happy with the results I'll do it and I'll send it over to uh, Darren Buns from the band Trillion he's actually been doing a lot of my final mixing since uh, last year with the single floating so so I really wanted that kind of element of shoegaze into my project yes so, yeah I, I wanted to do something different uh, big time with what was going on in my hometown um, during this time? There was a lot of electronic projects going around, electronic yeah, yeah. music happening, mm -hmm. uh, noise like noise for the sake of noise. But I didn't really seem to fit into those camps, so I wanted to do something completely different. And I guess under the sun came about probably the lockdown. I just wanted yeah. to like throw it out there and just do something completely different. So yeah, that's where I got to start, probably from Darren. 
Texas uh, actually gave me the final mix and he did the mastering of the single floating and uh, the album Dream, which came out last year from Shawdove. And I was really chuffed with that, you know, just an instrumental post-rock project at that time. So I have to ask you, because I've always been curious and I've been waiting for this interview to ask you. Now here we are. I want you to tell us your creative process. So you have an idea, you plant the seed for a song. How, tell us the architecture of your music. Architecture for my music. Let's see. I think, I think drum samples, I think I really like the drum samples. I like to make sure we are doing this in, I like to experiment in drum beats, uh, making sure we, like we get the right speed and all that, you know, the beat per minute. Because you don't want something too fast. I think you want something a bit, which is you, really. Yeah. And it's all happening from a thing called BandLab that I've downloaded through my tablet that I've recorded mostly from. And I sort of just listened to a lot of these electronic beats on there and I wanted to, like, experiment with it and see what happens and see what we can do with with the sounds, you know? Right. I think, I think when I opened it up for the first time, I think, let's try and experiment with this and see where it goes, you know? And then, and then when I'm really satisfied with that, that's when I wanted to start adding guitars and bass into it to give it that full punch, yeah, full kick of everything. So it takes a bit of time. And um, since last year, I actually got myself one of these uh, groove boxes, the Electron Model Cycles. It's a really good groove box for yeah. ambient. You can make a lot of drones out of that stuff. It's um. I really like to, I've been adding this on some new material actually, so I've been kind of wanting to make this kind of like electronic beats, four minutes, five, four and a half minutes of drone, like adding the drones and then the guitar sounds. Um, but, you know, during recording time, um, when I've re recently got this back in last year through eBay, the Yamaha FX500, this actually has a good uh, reverse refurb unit. I've been using that for quite a lot of recordings since um, Ocean Breeze, but that's probably another subject to talk about later. Um, yeah, I've been kind of experimenting with that. Um, I wanted to give that full, like, more full, fuller kind of guitar, whether it was post-rock or shoegaze, give it a bit more, a little bit of distortion, a bit of kick into it without getting too on, just sounding like noise, really. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then Are I there Beside, we've talked about the Valentines. We talked about Ride. We've talked about shoegaze, dream pop bands. Tell us some bands in the experimental noise pop post rock bands that have kind of paved the way for you a little bit. Like you've been inspired by. Oh, paved the way. Um, no, not a local. Probably one local. Uh, probably on the local scene. Uh, just um, 40 minutes away from Ipswich, which is in Norwich. Um, one person's been doing like inspiration of boards of Canada. Um, he goes by the name Hardwired. Um, it's pretty okay. cool. I actually got a Spotify playlist of um, music I love and respect. So um, I actually made a playlist of that. So you're more than welcome to check that out. Um, Hardwired is really good if you like the boards of Canada stuff. Um, okay. That's another inspiration. 
Um, there's a band called Ward of Iron in my hometown. They're really good. Um, they kind of, I think they definitely paved the way for something for me. Um, we probably did start around the same time, and we just never really knew each other until we first supported one another in our in my hometown. So. I'd recommend that them guys, they are really good for what they do, um, but they're a little bit more darker and a little bit more heavier, I think. So they're really cool to check out, I possibly recommend them. Uh, there's another there's another band I think comes to mind. Um, what ooh, about like Flying Saucer like... Attack? Oh yeah, definitely, they paved the way, f again, a big influence. Um, my like Flying Saucer Attack, definitely one of my big influence in um, Under the Sun. As well as a few others like uh, Seafill. Seafill oh, are really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that kind of, I kind of got, you know, they paved the way for the stuff I wanted to do in like Whirlwind when I first gave Whirlwind a spin and started rehearsing that. Um, Jizu, a bit doomy, kind of a doomy side to uh, the genre. I, I kind of added a bit of a doomy kind of sound, just a yeah. little doom element. And also, like a lot, like Massive Attack and Porter's Head, um, they really, yeah, they really bring a little bit of trip hop influences. And so, I love how your palette is very diverse. By the way, that you're tuning into uh, my conversation with Matt Catling of Under the Sun. My name is W, the host. High art on the edge page here. Um, so, Matt, I, in terms of you really starting to think about creating music as a career like you decided okay i really want to start pursuing this more and more um and getting more um uh, immersed in that world and we know being a musician you've got to advertise you've got to promote mm. tell us some of the parts of the business that you've you've really had to work at in just just trying to get your name out there is that that could be like playing more in your hometown. That could be releasing more on Bandcamp. What have you done to try to promote yourself more? I think promoting myself more is to play shows. Um, I haven't really played anything in my hometown since March. I've been playing much more down London. I think video packaging is very important also. The video, like when someone's filmed, uh, mm -hmm. filmed someone like that, I think it's a really good idea for me just to post that out. Put on yeah. YouTube and give it that sample. Uh, a bios are really good. I I think been learning how to make bios, uh, press releases uh, to get the release out there. Um, I'm with Cool Things uh, PR. They've been doing quite a lot, couple of my recent releases. They're really good people, good guys. Uh, yeah, that I think that's the probably one of the ways to do it. Um, also, BBC introducing are really good. Um, if you wanted to upload your tracks, it does take a little time. Um, for some because sometimes you can get like sometimes they don't really play a lot of weird stuff so I thought it would be good to get it out there through that for your local introducing um, even like underground radio and stuff like that's really cool to get out there I think that's good and even Spotify you know if you've got a Spotify page use that that's a good thing to get out which is interesting because some people loathe despise spotify <laughs> i do too but i thought it'd be good just to get it out there and just yeah sure it's one more platform right to have your name out yeah. there okay so under the sun i have to ask you this very simple question i'm sure you've been asked this a million times 
Uh, let's make it a million and one here. So yeah. under the sun, in that title of your, of your name here, how does that link to the style of music you play? Well, um, I think there's a lot of title tracks named like Bowie Electronics to Dive for News Titles, Under the Sun. That's probably the first two. I think even Under the Sun's very hypnotic, you know? Mm. Like yeah. sun, like the sun itself, the after, when you close your eyes, you see a lot of hypnotic. Like you feel hypnotized. I think it's also come from the quotes from the Bible, I do believe, as well. So, but it's also been kind of used, like a lot of bands have used that name. But, you know, I could have just gone for someone else. But a friend would just recommend me to use that name just as a band because we were going to try and form it as a band in 2017. But unfortunately, that didn't take off because on other commitments. So, so I just came back to it as a lockdown project, really. So, so that's. If I want to know a little bit more about, um, we've talked about this off camera, just as I've gotten to know you, what are your feelings about performing? Do you get really nervous before you perform? And if you do get nervous, what helps you calm down? Some people, some people have a drink before, some people might have, you know, something in their pocket to kind of ease their worries. What helps you deal with stage fright? Oh, I think stage fright. Um, I sometimes do get nervous, but I tend to have a cup of tea before I go on stage. Uh, All right. A glass of water. That's probably my relaxed sensation these days. I I try not to drink alcoholic before I go on stage because I don't. I want to save the alcoholic drink after my performances as a treat. Yeah. Sometimes I've eaten when you get nervous. You need a cup of tea or something to ease you out. So also that was that's when I started and I sometimes get nervous I think yeah a nice cup of tea or even just just meditate for a bit relax a bit better how do you know when you are connecting to your audience like when you look out at your audience while performing how do you know you've made that connection oh how do I know I I think for me personally I've I always hand out cards before I go on stage just to hand them out saying are you here for the gig and I just, I I just say, kind of, are you here for the gear? I just hand out a few cards and see, or stickers, whatever I got at that time, and you know, just hand them out and say, I hope you like these project. If you like so and so, such as such, Port of Canada meets MBV, come um, down playing. Because I'm very, sometimes, like during the last year, I was pretty unknown with towns like Bedford and, uh, you know, even sometimes like Cambridge and London. I wanted to just try and get these cards out and say, look. This is what I'm playing. Uh, please do come down. I think that's a good way to draw it and connect with your audience. But when I go on stage and people see it, I think people, that's when I connect to the audience. And I'm also a fan of, I'm also just a, an audience member too. Yeah. So I'm just as a fan of these lot. And we're all fans here, you know. I think we bond together. You, I like that. You have a, a question here from Cult of One. Matt, will you be putting out any vinyl? Oh, tough question. Um, find the right. I'm probably going to find the right people to put out on vinyl. It would be nice to get out on vinyl. It's due to money, like expenses. I think it depends if anyone's give me a good offer to put out on vinyl. I'd be I'd be honoured to do that. Especially, I really want to release re-release Robot World on the vinyl. 
because that yeah. seems definitely one of my best works so far, and I think that'd be good to put it on the final on the final format. So yeah, you um, have had worked with some people that are pretty well known in the music industry, Andrew Rose. Yep, a gentleman by the name of Simon Scott. Yeah, definitely. They're good. Definitely good guys in the shoegaze scene. I tell you. So tell us, either one, how did that come about? How did you get in contact, and what was that Ooh. experience like for you? Well, I start with Simon Scott because Simon's—I um, actually am a big fan of Slow Dive, and I also do like his other stuff. Also, he's been doing for during his time outside of Slow Dive. Yeah, but I think Simon Scott was at this. I actually supported a kind of a droney experimental noise rock band called Sly and the Family Drone. Uh, <laughs> maybe a little inspired by the Family Stone, but they call themselves the Family Drone down London. They were doing a kind of a tour around the UK and they played in Cambridge. Um, I happen to know the guys um, who put it on this gig, and I thought I'd put my foot on the door and say, "Will it be possible to support this?" group because i actually love these these guys who make drone good drone moves and i thought this and i you know i'm glad they offered me that gig and this was at the portland arms in cambridge so that was really good uh simon scott was actually there to watch that to watch my set when i was opening up that for the band and he said it was really good it reminded me of mbv and my bloody fallon my bloody fallon time c feel that kind of niche mm. so we started talking and he he seems like a decent guy and he said, look, um, I just told him, gave him a message, uh, thanks for um, coming down and checking me out. And I didn't ask him to come along. It was it was just, he was there that night. And I said, look, I would love to be, i like to get my stuff mastered because I've got some new material coming up soon. And would you be interested in mastering? Um, it was a lot of money. I mean, it was probably about, um, I'm thinking 75 uh, each track, 75 pounds each track. So it'd be... About two hundred and twenty odd, two hundred twenty-five maybe. So it, I, I think it, I thought it was going to be hard, but I managed to got paid because of quite a few gigs that I got paid for, and I decided to um, use that gig money to put the mastering, to put it towards the mastering, and I did. And I gave, you know, I asked Simon pretty nice. So what did he do that put his amazing touches on it what did what was his craft oh what was his craft i thought it was really something completely different at the time i think his craft i think it had something going on you know it's a very hard tricky question when i listen to ocean breeze i, I think it was bringing I didn't. Know, it, he just mastered the thing. It was um, Darren Barnes from Trilogy was given these final mixes, but I asked him to um, just keep it unmastered so I could give Simon the master, the honor to master them. I think it it was something completely different. To I think being from the Ipswich music scene, I don't really seem to fit into that. I think I wanted to do something completely different, especially having Simon Scott mastering Ocean Breeze. It was. It was a different experience. It was. It really sounded different. Um, I can't really describe it in many words, but it was. It was for some good work. I really was proud to have that released and mastered by Sam Scott, and that was a proud moment. I think it sort of elevate. I think it kind of really gave me a bit of a recognition through a lot of blogs and all that because I'm that mastering. You've also worked with Andrew Rose. Tell us about that experience as well. 
I think when Andrew Rose listened to Ocean Breeze, um, he offered, like, offered um, me like your model work and asked me if you want my st if you want my work to be mastered by Andrew. And um, I had some other tracks that I was working on um, during the time with Ocean Breeze and some other tracks I recorded during after its release, and I wanted to get those out. But I really wanted to make it a bit more had add more elements to trip hop. Uh, so I always ask Darren to just give give them a final mix before um, I send them out there, and I thought it'd be good to get Andrew to master him for a change. And I always I got to know Andrew for a couple of years uh, as well uh, through the shoegaze scene. I think he's always a good guy. I I think we started talking on Facebook, and then I think I met him at the first shoegaze all day back in November twenty one. Uh, that was pretty good when lockdowns and all that were starting to go down and. So yeah, I guess. But when I, I mean, when I listen to a lot of Andrew Rose's mastering from likes of Winsicle to Monster Move, I thought, yes, I think this is going to sound good with put put my name on there and yeah. see what happens. And when I listen to those mastering tracks, he did them in different formats, uh, yeah. for, for CD, and I think it was um, AFs and all that, you know, for the MP3s. And I, it sounded really different. And when I listened to the, the recent release back, I, I think I hear a lot more trip hop elements adding on to those services. And, and when I listened to Sunrise, um, it's it it was kind of clear. It's, the vocals were very clearer. Then that's the only thing I would say. The vocals were much more clearer. While Ocean Breeze was more drowned in, but it was a real good experience, in my opinion. Yeah, I think both no. of them really hold. It sounds like it, and very few artists can say that they've worked with those two creative titans. <laughs> mm. So consider yourself very fortunate. Cult of One asks, uh, what are your favorite bands you've gigged with? Ooh, that's a good question. Oh, uh, let's see. Um, recent, well, back in March, I actually uh, supported a band from Brighton, uh, Codex Seraphini. They're really cool, kind of like psychedelic, kind of like UK, UK's answers to go. Well-known bands. I supported Secret Shine at the Shoegaze All Day last year. That was nice. really amazing experience. Nice. Uh, Bedroom, who, who, which they played at the Norwich Arts Centre for the last year's Norwich Psych Fest. That's, that um, must have been amazing. Oh, that was really good. This was before they got signed to Rock Action Records. They were still on Sonic Cathedral at that time, and it was really good. They were seen very genuine guys. Yeah. There's so much... Uh, there's a lot of out there. I've played um, ride um, ride guitarist Andy Bell, uh, aka Glock. That's definitely an amazing experience. This was in my home, both in my hometown and Colchester, so that was really cool. I really enjoyed doing that. And there was an Italian band I supported in um, down London at Shackle Arms called Alplica. They're very good. What they did, they really are one of those bands I can really get along with. There's a lot of cool bands I did support. There's quite a few good bands I really did support, but definitely my favourite's got to be the Andy Bell gig, actually. It's really definitely my amazing experience. And I also got to know Andy Bell on both shows, Colchester and Ipswich, and that was <laughs> definitely my go-to favourite. Good for you. So tell us what's next, what's coming down the line for Under the Sun? Well, I actually got a few shows coming up. Um, I got one coming up in November uh, as a kind of a electronic kit called Scatronics. It's very like more arts and experimental, but it 
I think I'm looking forward to playing that again. I'm also playing a gig at the uh, Finsbury Pub, at Finsbury Park, uh, under the Night Owl. Um, supporting a really good artist that I've just listened to, got into last night, Mickey C. He actually does a lot of like orchestra post-rock stuff. And this is on the 8th of December. Great. Uh, also, I'm going to continue on with the uh, electronic music open mic nights they're doing in the UK at the moment. And they're also doing stuff around Europe and I do believe everywhere around the world. I thought it would be good to place those sets at the moment just to experiment more and... Hopefully, I'm going to try and get my foot on the door for next year's uh, lineup. So, um, play, try and play some good, decent festivals if I can. Try and get that name on the foot, um, whether it's going to be hard, challenging or not. Yeah. But hopefully, try and just badger some promoters and just see what happens. You know, I'm not asking for a lot. It would be good to just get the foot, my name on the door and see what happens from there. I like your drive here. Uh, in terms of new music, do you have any new music coming down the pipe here? Uh, new music on the pipe. I actually have recorded quite a few stuff at the moment, but they're still on in, in the creative process at the moment. Two tracks I put out that I'm trying to satisfy myself as a creative process. I've still got a few more to record and in that creative process before sending them off to, for the my final mixes and get the next mastering going on i'm hopefully going to choose maybe choose andrew again or maybe go with someone else hopefully um always have wanted to get some stuff mastering by carl skeverton from spotlight he does a lot of mastering on his own band but he also it will be good because i think a friend of mine uh, scott causes um recommend me to master with him because he can also bring it on cd but he also can do it on final as well that'd be good to get out like you someone mentioned find like get out on final i think that might be a good idea go from there oh i have an idea when you have some new music let's have a party huh <laughs> totally i'll be i'm looking forward to it you know once the new we'll music we'll have a um, listening party oh definitely um that'd be good because I'm, I'm able to um I think my next plan is to make a jump to a different label. Uh, Short Dive are really good for what they do. They put out a couple of my stuff. I'm really happy for that. But I think I like to jump on the 91 recordings bandwagon. I'm going to, you know, since get to know, I know Nick pretty well. And John is, is a solid guy. And it'll yep. be good to get my stuff on 91 recordings. That would be my next, my next stage of Under the Sun, really. Yeah, good old John and Last Tourist. Good stuff there. Um, okay, so we're going to wrap this up with uh, some recommendations in terms of music. Uh, these could be done via CD, vinyl, whatever you have you want to share. What are, what are some uh, album picks that you have for us? This one by Sway. Uh, this, this was tomorrow. This is definitely... This is definitely my favorite uh, album, especially in the, you know, Sway combined uh, electronic music with uh, shoegaze music. And I think that's definitely my go-to album, favorite album of my, my Under the Sun influence. Uh, it's also uh, Sweet Trip are really good. I, I like them and their album um, was back in 2003, I do believe. Um, I got it on MP3 files. Um, not on physical, but Sweet Trip's really good. Uh, that was definitely, personally, a combi combination of electronic music combining Dream Pop and Shoegaze again. 
Um, I also got Scyflyer, they're a really good band. I actually like Fair of Karma, it's definitely one of my favourite albums. Kind of like the American if American version Swerdriver with hints of okay. Galaxy 500. Oh, nice. Yep. Nice. The Sweet Trip. Uh, yeah, it's Felic- yeah, it's called Felicity to Sign Comfort, that's the good one. That came out back in 2003, so that's definitely one of my favourites. Beach House, Depression oh, yeah. Cherry. This is yes. definitely my go-to favourite of all time. I listen to that record when I get a chance, and I'm just thrilled to listen to it when I just chill out. Yeah. Let's see. Um, going to the electronic store, Aphex Twin. Oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> I love it. Anything on Warp Records brings brings something unique. I think it's always great to listen to something different than you just shoegaze counterparts. Yeah. And also, Slow Dive. Oh, that's the that's is that the EP? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I also do love their other stuff as well. Um, also, Pink Nanali's a real good album. I've grown to love that album. Definitely worth checking out. And what can I do? Sorry, I got this. Uh, definitely a reissue. See Phil. Oh, nice. Album. When did that come it's, out? I think I got out like probably a year and a half after the Poly. Polyfusion album, probably their first album. I do love their first album also. It's really definitely one of my go-to favorites. I think their second album went more slightly on post-rock territory. Well, they did. And they also moved to Warp Records and, you know, jumped on the Warp Records label. Speaking of Warp, Fords of Canada. Oh, there it is. is. Fords of Canada. (laughs) Campfire Headface. Definitely my favorite Fords of Canada album can't resist with that and loveless my bloody valentine also is really cool and there's a lot of awesome albums i i can't really it's a lot of them really i like stuff like yellow tango mm-hmm. uh, stereo labs first albums really killer man um you're speaking uh, my language here <laughs> a lot even soundtracks like lost in translations are really good soundtrack to have uh, especially with a film a lot Amazing. of david lynch stuff uh, twin peaks a lot of the Twin Peaks stuff he's done, um, a lot of soundscape. And also Cigarettes After Sex is really good as well. They're really yes. I listen to a lot of that. Um, bit of slow down, slow call when you feel like those moments of life. Okay, yeah, so listen. which one's that? Oh, is that Andy Bell? Yep. Yeah. when he released. He's um, doing the tour at that time. It's a good album. That, um, that album's terrific. Terrific. By the way, here's a recommendation for you. Okay, if you go to Spotify, type in Cigarettes After Sex, down at the bottom, it will say Cigarettes After Sex Playlist, Cigarettes After Sex um, Radio, or um, I forgot, where it has different bands that sound like cigarettes. Click on that one. It's like an hour and a half of just great music. Oh, wow. Jeff, definitely yeah, check that out. Can I, I, I have think, a listen to it right now? It's Yeah, I think you would really enjoy it. Um, Matt Catling, Under the Sun, this has been a great pleasure speaking with you. No problem. Learning more about your creative process and all that, all of that swirling inside your head and just getting it out there to the world. Um, and it sounds like you just continue to move that needle forward as far as getting your music heard, listened to on stage, all that. I'm looking forward to having another conversation. Hopefully we can have a, a, a listening party for a song or a couple of your songs later down there. 
on the yeah, line. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully, it'll be in. Um, well, going to be working on the. Um, still got two tracks ready, uh, ready to be final mix. So that's going to be good. I'm going to try and add another few to get it out there. Hopefully, Great. try and Great. put this out probably, probably in the next two months. Probably okay. might be next year. Okay. Definitely somewhere between early next year. So I'm pushing this fast. So. Well, looking forward to it. My name is W a.k.a. William, host of the High Art on the Edge page. Thank you so much to Matt Catlin being our special guest, uh, also known as Under the Sun. And check him out. Check out his work. You can go to Bandcamp. It's all there. You're going to get a library full of goodies. And, uh, yeah, feel free to share this video with friends who enjoy everything that we've been discussing. Thank you, Matt. We'll no talk problem. Soon. My pleasure. Thank you, everyone. Ciao.